what I think the kink in BDSM does is that it does dissolve the ego. And because when you come inside the dungeon, you are literally and figuratively stripping yourself of all your layers of who you are, who you think you are, who the world around you typically thinks you are. You don't take on any of the roles that you you typically do. And now you get to play and be reduced to my toy, my pet, and you get to serve, surrender, and submit. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. Today we have Colette Pervet, a professional dominatrix with over 18 years experience. She has a PhD in education and a really alchemical philosophy and spiritual approach to her work, which we're going to dive in together today. I absolutely loved this conversation and I know you guys will too. So dive in and enjoy. Welcome to the show, Colette. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a funny thing when I first saw your name. <laughs> it, actu- it actually helped me um, be like, yeah, about my own maiden name. So my maiden oh, name wow. is actually Purvis, but it's spelled Purves. <laughs> no, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Purvis, your maiden name. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, the joke is my first name's Angel is that I'm a perverted angel, but it was funny in high school. I was always God. like terrified someone was going to figure it out and bully oh. me for it. <laughs> oh my God, that's but, the um, worst. Now you get to own it. Yes, exactly. Now I get to own it. So is Colette Pervet, when you are a dominatrix, do you like, what's the process of choosing your name? And I imagine it's quite a, I don't know, it's like a character, right? Is it, it's a mm-hmm. deep process. I'd love to hear about that. How is yeah, that for you? That's actually one of the first assignments I give my students, the mistresses and mistress class. It's to pick your dom name. And I think that's something alchemical happens when mm. you choose a name for your dom persona because your everyday self, that's the name that you've attached to yourself. And that's a name that your parents have chosen for you. And let's be honest, our parents weren't thinking about our fierce, powerful, sexy selves when they're choosing our names. And so I think when you get to choose your own name, you get to really think about what's the name that you want to be called by that makes you feel powerful, sexy, and badass when someone calls you by it and when you call yourself by it. And so for me, it was... um it took me a while to land on the name Colette. And I think for some or a lot of my um, students in class, it, it takes a while to really find that name and, and then try it on too. It, it didn't feel right for me until um, other women, other colleagues, other doms were calling me by it at the gates, which is the house that I worked at initially. And then my subs called me by it. Then I was like, oh, okay. And then you really begin to like own it. And Mm. it's almost like, you know, every alchemist magician picks a name for their alchemical self. And I think that that's something that um, a dom gets to do as well. And something happens when you pin a name to the side of yourself that you want to come out. I think she really comes alive through the name. Mm, I love that so much. And I feel it to be really, really true. 
Um, I don't have a dom name, but that can come. Ooh, but I should think about it. <laughs> yeah, we should get that going. But I, um, I definitely feel that character part of me. She's like a Harley Quinn, pigtails with a baseball mm-hmm. bat, chewing bubble gum. <laughs> yeah, chaos agent. I um, love. But I. <laughs> oh my god, chaos agent! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, my nickname growing up was Angie. My full name is Angelica, and I had mm. friends when I was in my early twenties be like, "You're not an Angie," and I'm like, "You're right, I'm not." Thank you. And they're like, "We call you Angel behind your back. Can we call that you that to your face?" And I was like, "Yes." And it really shifted. That was such a big, Mm -hmm. I I love the word you used, alchemical. It was Mm -hmm. huge for me to step into like, firstly claiming and saying to people, you can use my full name, Angelica, or you can call me Angel, but you cannot Mm -hmm. call me Angie. And it was really funny. Like some people's reaction was very intense. It was super distressing for them. (laughs) And I really had to like hold the boundary of like, it's it's not okay with me. This is what I want to be called. And so I really resonate with that um, process that happens. And even when I took on my Mm -hmm. husband's name, his name is Drake, which means dragon. It's one of the oldest names. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I felt it when I became angel Drake, I was like, oh, shit, there's some power there. (laughs) I like that, like stepping into that um, character. So I love this idea of a name. And you touched on your first, you called it um, the house. Is that? Oh, the house. That's kind of like what the, like, or my colleagues and doms call like a commercial dungeon. You work in a house. And, um, And so it's just. What we mean by that is that it's a commercial dungeon, a place where a lot of dominatrices work at. Wow. I love this term. It's even sexy. You worked Mm -hmm. at or you're at a house. Amazing. So you you have a PhD Mm -hmm. in education, I believe. Mm-hmm. How how did you where was that crossover from PhD in education <laughs> to working in this house, becoming a professional dominatrix who teaches thousands of women how to do this work? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to discovering your own dom and then being able to empower women in that? Yeah, I'm happy to. So when I was a grad student, um it was my first year at at UC Berkeley. And I just knew I didn't want to be a poor grad student. And at the time I had a scholarship, I had a Bill Gates scholarship, but it wasn't going to like give me the lifestyle that I wanted. And when I was an undergrad, I dated a grad student. And so I saw the struggles of a grad student and how difficult it was for him. And so, um, it, was just like this random like Tuesday afternoon. My friend from UCLA, that's where I went to undergrad with, she came up and she, um, actually she moved up here to the Bay as well with around the same time I did. And we went out for lunch and um, she was telling me that she was working at this house called The Gates. And I was like, oh, tell me, how, how's it going? And so she describes her like day at work and she's like, oh, yeah. So I just um, tied a guy up and put some clothespins on his nipples. Then I put on a strap on and fucked him in the ass. And then I pissed on him and 
I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's your like <laughs> day at the office. And, and then she's describing all of this while she's like paying for our like meal and she pulls out like a hundred dollar bill for our like, I don't know, it was like a $20 meal or something. And she's like, Oh, it's this new problem I have. We get paid in cash and it's usually hundreds and I have to break hundreds at random places. And, and I was like, Oh my God. I want stories like that. I want to tell stories like that. I want problems like that, breaking hundreds, <laughs> random places. Okay, sign me up. And so I um, I then asked her, I'm like, so how do you begin to work at the gates? And so she gave me the number and I called in and asked for an interview and, and then didn't have any experience in kink at all. But I did have fantasies in my own mind that that I played with, but it would not as a dom more as like a sub. And, mm. um, and I just went in and kind of lied a little bit about having some personal experience and then just, um, went in there and learned as I learned as I began to take sessions. And so it actually coincided at the same time. I was a grad student and a dom moonlighting as a dom while I was getting my PhD. Wow. How was that for you? I mean, damn girl, the courage to just like step into that, clearly that Dom energy was in you because to just step into that role with such courage and say, I'm just going to figure this out. What was that process like for you? Because I can imagine lots of people listening, perhaps whether it's wanting to work at a house or just wanting to be able to do that in the bedroom, to step into that. But you know, a lot of fear can come up or like, what if I get it wrong? Or, you know, all of that stuff, which kind of pulls you straight out of that character. What was that process like for you? Oh, it was like, I did have to like, I was vacillating. I was like, should I do this? Like, is this safe? Like, I don't know exactly what I'm getting myself into. And before like connecting with subs, I didn't know who they were. And I also thought they were like, who are these people who would pay women to like beat them up? I'm like, whoa, they must be strange. And, and I had no, I like, I had, I had lots of misconceptions about it too. And, um, I also had a fear of like, well, this is a gray area. It's like, it's risky as well. Mm. I think in terms of the gray area of work, the work that it is, um, even though we don't have sex with our clients, it's still, there's this intimacy involved and then there's the transactions involved. And so, um, I had to really kind of weigh the, the pros and cons of it. And I, wanted to just take that risk and explore what that world was like. And I think I would have regretted it if I didn't do it. And I'm mm-hmm. really glad that I trusted my gut to explore <laughs> that because it changed my whole life. Yeah. It sounds like you had like a calling, you know, when there's something that calling from deep within to do something, even if there's risk or it feels very, there's fear. It's just this, calling inside of you to to do the thing yeah Um, I yeah I think it was a calling it felt like something just kind of like it was like a a aha like hmm this feels right and it's strange 
I finally can look back on like my childhood now. And when I was young, around like the age of like three onward, I was very much like in my head, in my like imaginary world, I would daydream all the time. And um, I also discovered like masturbation at the age of three. So it was like in my dream world, masturbating. And I would have this fantasy of being this girl who would play on the edge of the playground where the forest meets the playground where very few kids go. And like, I had this image of myself as this like dark, mysterious girl who had these witchy powers and she was also magnetic and she drew in boys who were adventurous enough to go to the edge of the playground with her and she would take their hand and and lead them through the forest and take them on an adventure. Mm-hmm. And that was the fantasy that I had for years growing up. And mm. I think that there's something very prophetic about our fantasies. I think our fantasies are prophecies of a possible future. And I think that, that was kind of the arrow that pointed me in the in this direction. I'm like, oh shit. I was having a fantasy of who I was gonna be when I grew up before I even knew what a dominatrix was. Yeah, or dare I say a few a, a quality of your essential self. Right. You know, yeah. That like it it that is the essential self. Like we come in with these essential mm-hmm. characteristics. That's I love that fantasies are prophetic. Yes. So beautiful. So you mentioned two things two threads mm-hmm. I want to pull on. One was this idea of like mystery and you sit here now with this beautiful mask on. And I said to you when we first jumped on the call, like, I love the mystery. Um, so can you talk a little bit to mystery and how that relates to fantasy and sexuality and does it enhance? And if so, why? And what has you choose to sort of really lean into that mysterious element? Yeah. You know, I think when I first started every dom has to make the decision whether they're going to reveal their face or not. And so I erred on the side of not revealing my face. And, and it's been almost 19 years now since I've been doing this work. And, and now it's like almost, I feel like it's part of my, like, it's part of my look. It's part of like the veil just somehow feels like the super heroine like mask that I put on. And maybe at some point in the future, I will reveal myself fully, but I'm really enjoying the almost slight anonymity that I get from having a veil because I teach my online course with the veil on. But when we all come together for the graduation party here in my home, I take the veil off and nobody could recognize me. They're like, oh, how was the class for you? And I was like, oh, I'm actually Colette. And they're like, oh, wow, that veil totally works. And I just love that um, the people (laughs) who know me by my face are actually people that I see face to face. And I love knowing that I could be anywhere in the world and nobody could spot me as oh, she's that dominatrix. Uh, And I'm really enjoying playing with that. And I think I'll continue and see how far I want to take it and really play with the reveal when that time comes too. Oh, so fun. I'm like, (laughs) it must just be really fun to, firstly, like when you put the mask on, the energy 
from doing that for 19 years that your body responds and knows what you're stepping into, but also the the energy of being able to take it off and just go to the grocery store and be like, ha, 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 you have exactly. no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I love it. And it's mm. also like a privilege that my subs and clients get to have as well because I take mm. the veil off in the dungeon as well. And so they also get that moment of like, oh my gosh, I get to see your face and it becomes yeah. like a privilege that they earn. Oh, I love that. Okay, let's get into kink because you're talking about like privileges okay. that your subs can earn. And I'm like, whoo, it's getting juicy. Anyone else getting <laughs> hot listening? <laughs> so can you just describe what does kink mean to you? For me, a kink, I think almost like by its like bare bones definition, it's a deviation, right? It's like a it's almost like a deviation in the road. And so kink is something that deviates from the mainstream. And so when we talk about kink, I think it's about all the alternative ways of expressing ourselves sexually. And so it's, we talk about those who aren't kinky and they're vanilla. They, they know that flavor really well of themselves and, and that's what they go to. And then those who are kinky like to explore different flavors, different sensations, experiences, and feelings that are, um, atypical, quote unquote. Mm. And, um, and I think it's a really about just exploring all the different ways that you can get off and get excited by. And so I think that's also why one of the kind of it's very standard that you know i think there's a common misconception that oh that a dom has sex with their client they're like how is it that they would pay you that much money to not have sex and so but the thing is the reason why we i think one of the reasons why we don't is because it's about exploring all the other ways that you can get off on that you could get excited and turned on by that's not sex and mm. you'd be surprised. There's so many flavors out there. And if you never try it, you never know. And you may think like, oh, that flavor sounds so crazy. Like, I don't know, durian ice cream, right? And you're like, whoa, that sounds crazy. And then when you try it, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. That was weird, but I'm into it. Hmm. <laughs> I might try it again. Yes. Um, Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. And I think it's like food, right? Like it's an, when you talk about foods that are an acquired taste because you kind of taste it and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that, but I don't not like it. Like what? Mm -hmm. like, and, yeah. and then you're like, I think I need to eat it again just to like yeah. make sure. How do I feel about it? It's, you're acquiring this expanded taste. And the thing about not having sex, like let's think about it. For me, and I'm imagining a lot of people listening, this is the same. When I was a teenager and like I couldn't or I shouldn't, oh my God, the tension that's yes. built when there's an obstacle and you've like, you like, oh, I want to, but I can't. And, you know, I think it's Jack Marin, who's a famous um, sex mm -hmm. psychologist. The erotic mind. Talks, yes, yeah. talks about this like obstacle plus attraction equals excitement. If there's something in yeah. the way, that tension just keeps building or like when let's say you first meet someone and there's yeah. like for some reason whether it's like distance or neither of you are available or whatever and there's this obstacle or mm -hmm. um you're trying to play hard to get whatever it is you're trying to like extend and elongate the passion yeah. and the tension that's created so i imagine that your subs for and for those listening is an abbreviation of the word submissive right so yeah you know, 
the dominatrix and the submissive, that the relationship you build and the tether that's there because sex is off the table. So there's just mm-hmm. this constant yeah. tension and like slight releases, but never yeah. quite that. It's like, hell yeah, that sounds yeah. amazing. It's like extended <laughs> foreplay, right? For indefinitely. Yeah. And yes. I think that's such a good point that you brought up about the obstacle. And I think one of the obstacles to all of the things in kink is that we, it's a lot of it that we touch upon is taboo, right? And mm. I think that if our culture wasn't the way it was, maybe kink wouldn't have these particular fetishes that they do have. And I think every culture kind of varies a little bit in their fetishes as well. And so, for example, like some subs come to me with wanting to explore small penis humiliation, right? And mm. you just think, what? Why would somebody want that? Well, in a culture yeah. where we praise men for having big giant cocks and denigrate those who have, you know, we talk about it, we shame those who have tiny dicks. And so one of the worst things that a man can experience is being humiliated for having a small cock. And so Mm. I think that what you get to experience in the dungeon is you get to experience one of the worst fears that most men typically have, and you get to turn it around and get off on it. And so it's, there's something so subversive about it. It's like, I'm choosing to be humiliated for my small cock right now. And a lot of the subs don't really have small cocks and they're still wanting to experience that. I think that there's such a small window in our culture of what it takes to be a man. And so the window of what a man should say, do and be is so narrow. And what you, what they get to experience in the dungeon is this wide range of saying what they want to say, being who they want to be, experiencing what they want to experience. And, and that, that expansion entails all the things that they shouldn't be doing because it would make them less of a man, right? Mm. To be able to experience having someone take them with a strap on, you know, that would make them gay. Right. And so in the space, none of that exists. There's no judgment. There's no judgment of your desires and what you want to experience. In fact, there's just radical acceptance and let's play. Mm. And when you could get off on what typically most men are so afraid of, that's, that's your power. There is a, a lot of power in that. As I'm hearing, I'm having this kind of like interesting convergence of thoughts that I'm just going to share. But yeah. I actually was thinking about this in the gym yesterday. And it was, mm-hmm. I was thinking about humiliation. Yeah. Right. And I was thinking about how dangerous it is for mm-hmm. a woman to humiliate a man mm. and how it can be, right? Like that's a lot of the time. And yet it's one of our only weapons, let's say, when we're a smaller animal, mm-hmm. just technically, yeah. we're in a room with a big angry animal. We yeah. learn to like energetically castrate yeah. to try and reduce the power in them to hopefully have them feel be less scary. And I'm, this isn't necessarily a great thing to do or a conscious thing to do, right? The hope is we can just speak and say, you're scaring me or like, please lower your voice. But yeah. I think this like unconscious thing, I've got three older brothers. I'm really mm. good at car- energetically uh, castrating men. Yes. I, I, had, <laughs> I had to, I had to reduce their power all the time Yeah, because, you know, I tried to fight them, trust me, but I'm smaller and weaker. 
And right. it's a thing I really hated my whole life. But mm. I was just thinking about like, wow, it's so dangerous though for a woman to ride that line. It's dangerous for her not to be able to reduce their aggression in some mm. way. Or we can fawn. That's the other way to do it. Fawn yeah. is a survival mechanism. They're both survival mechanisms. So right. anyone listening, don't don't judge yourself for it. Yeah. Just, you know, we're just trying to survive. But yeah. yeah, if we do go into that space of trying to reduce their power through humiliation, the retaliation that can happen. And I was thinking about how men with like really narcissistic tendencies have a very low, low tolerance for shame and humiliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what makes them so dangerous. And mm-hmm. so as I was listening to you, I have so much respect for these men who are expanding their tolerance for shame and humiliation in a yeah. radical way. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? It's kind of a weird series of thoughts, but it's, it's yeah. how to share it. I, I think you're absolutely right in touching upon how narcissistic men can't laugh at themselves. And and what I think that like kink and BDSM does is that it does dissolve the ego. And because when you come inside the dungeon, you are literally and figuratively stripping yourself of all your layers of who you are, who you think you are, who the world around you typically thinks you are. You don't take on any of the roles that you you typically do. And now you get to play and be reduced to my toy, my pet, and you get to serve, surrender, and submit. And so mm. it is a thinning and dissolving of the ego. And I think there's something really liberating about that and also enlightening, right? Like when the ego is gone, you can truly feel, experience and be present with something because the ego is what judges and what thinks and kind of puts this like wall between yourself and another person. But when the ego is dissolved, it's like true intimacy and connection. And all you want to do is kind of melt into the other person. Oh, so beautiful. Anyone listening being like, where is the nearest dungeon? (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. Serve, surrender and submit. And so I'm really hearing about this like dissolution of the ego. And I'm really with you. I'm feeling it. I'm like getting inside it by the way you're describing it in a totally different way. There's this spiritual element. Can you speak a little more to that? And can you also touch on... What is that spiritual experience like for a dom on the other side? Yeah, I do think it's a spiritual experience to see a dom and it could depend on who you see as well. I think those there are more and more doms who are spiritually inclined and so the experience has a more spiritual bent to it. But I think in and of itself, being able to have the experience of giving consciously giving up your power to someone and submitting and surrendering to someone is... Uh, an act of learning how to let go. And that is what we're been told by so so many people and therapists and whomever. You just got to let go. You just got to let go the X or blah, blah, blah. Right. It's always, (laughs) yeah, exactly how. And I think in the dungeon, you get to learn how to let go in all the modalities, right? It's psychologically, it's emotionally, it's physically, it's spiritually, it's sexually. It just, hits all of these points and it's a practice of learning how to let go and how do you let go you let go with someone whom you can trust to take you to places that you can't go alone and so that is what we should be practicing not only in the dungeon 
but in our everyday lives. And so what, how I see it is that everything you're doing inside the dungeon is what you should be doing outside the dungeon. It's just a deep metaphor and a symbol of how you should be living your life. And in the dungeon, you should learn how to find someone whom you can trust to take you to these places, to push you to your edges, to push your buttons, to push you to grow. And you should learn how to communicate your desires, your feelings, and your boundaries. And mm. that's something we should be doing in every relationship, not just the relationship with your dom. But So it's a practice that you should be practicing in every single relationship. And you should learn how to shed your layers of your ego and surrender and be present with someone. And as a sub, you don't choose, you don't top from the bottom. You don't say, I want more of this and less of that in the scene. You just go and you experience. And I think that's also the practice in life. There are moments in life when things just happen to you and you can't choose like, oh, I didn't want that to happen. Less of that and more of this joy, please. And less pain and suffering. It just, <laughs> yeah. you just get all of it. Right. And, and it's, a practice of learning how to stay present with everything and learning how to radically accept everything and not judge it and be like, Oh, that was bad. That's good. None of that exists. No judgment, just accept, surrender mm -hmm. to it and allow yourself to, to feel and experience that the pain, the degradation, the humiliation, the joy, the ecstasy, the pleasure, all of that. And when you can find your power and submission and you could find your, pleasure and your pain and your freedom and your bondage, you begin to like transcend all of these dualities of your mind that we've been, been conditioned to see the world through. And Oof. you begin to transcend yourself and you begin to see that you can find this peace and center amidst all this chaos that you can't control. And that's a power that you've cultivated that no one can take away from you. Oh, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking throws flames. God damn. Yes. Wow. I wrote this poem like six months ago now. Oh, maybe it was less like four months ago that life is my divine dominatrix. Mm, and it's that, I love it. Exactly. That feeling exactly as you're describing. Yeah, this is a metaphor for life. It's practice for life. I love that freedom in your bondage, pleasure in your pain. Yes. yes, it's super tantric. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. So incredible. So I love what you just said. Other, yeah. Like the Go poem that you've come up with. It's beautiful. And I think that's also you're asking about what's the experience for the Dom on the I think that that's what it is. I think that the Dom gets to experience embodying these powerful archetypes of God, mm. goddess, source, universe. Oof. She's channeling all of that. And so the words that come through me um, in session are the words I imagine the universe would be saying to me when I'm going through something really difficult and challenging and painful in life. And so I tell my subs, I know this is hard. I know this is a lot, but I know you can take it. Mm. And it's... It just sounds, it's very motivational. And I think oh that that's God. what... soothes the nerve system, <laughs> nervous system hearing that. I know this is hard, but I know you can take it. I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's, I think for the Dom and, and for myself, you, I get to experience what it feels like to truly embody the goddess, 
archetype. And I think the dominatrix is a, is the most modern, edgy archetype of the divine feminine that we actually get to embody and play out. Mm, yes. I imagine there's this like deep self-trust that happens as a dominatrix, this trust that you are giving your sub mm-hmm. what they need and actually ultimately want, even if they mm-hmm. don't know they want it yet, or taking them to places that they don't know they can go yet, but that you trust and know like this, like this leadership quality almost, which is incredible. I think as women, uh, you know, in a world just waking up out of thousands of years of patriarchy and with a lot of work to go to have this opportunity to be in that deep, sovereign, divine self-trust. I trust myself and you trust me as this embodiment of the divine, like the divine does for us as humans in life, to lead you where you're not even sure you can go yet, but for you, even though it's painful or it's hard or it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's life. That is the divine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really, and I think it, you know, something we didn't touch upon is that it's the the negotiation always happens before a session. And that negotiation is the sub sharing with the dom their innermost desires, their forbidden wicked desires. And they talk about their boundaries and hard limits. And and throughout the scene, the dom is checking in about how they feel. And Mm -hmm. so when you are, so when we think about like the dom playing the role of God or goddess or the universe, it's like we're working with what I think are the most potent aspects of ourselves. It's our desire, really knowing like, I know what your desires are. I know that for my sub, it's to fully surrender, fully, fully to serve and to give themselves fully to to please me and and make me smile. And so I am working with that desire and moving them through a scene that is intense, but I know that they can take it. And so it's just this trust and knowing them so well, knowing their desires, knowing their limits, knowing that they know, they know exactly how that I know exactly where they can go and wh- where there are soft boundaries that can be pushed upon. And I know their mm. hard limits that I'll never touch and even speak of. And so it's mm. just this complete trust. And it's a practice of learning how to trust the universe, learning how to trust the divine, learning how to trust source. And it's a spiritual experience when they can fully surrender and trust someone. Mm. Also a very relationally healing experience because, you know, very often um, we've had those boundaries in life, relationship, whether it's sexually or otherwise, violated Yeah, where we didn't feel listened to and we didn't feel honoured and and to have that experience of someone, of you giving someone all this power, here's everything I want, here's what I'm afraid of, here's my hard no, and to be fully respected it interestingly yeah. right because we're being maybe degraded but yeah. to be fully respected actually and ultimately yeah, exactly like wow how healing it is it's healing not only for the sub but i think for the dom as well i think a lot of 
of of doms and mistresses in my class and colleagues, a lot of us have experienced sexual trauma. And I think that when we get to be the dom, we get to create a safe space. We are creating the world that we want to exist. And so I think a revolution is happening in every session, in every safe space that we are creating for ourselves and for another to go deep and play with each other in. And I think for subs, it's also very healing. Some have come to me with sharing childhood trauma of being beat by their parents. And here in this context, they get to choose who they want to touch them in and go that far with them in that way. And they are choosing to, to go there knowing that this is done out of love and compassion and, mm. and for their highest good and it's yeah it's i've had many sessions that are end in really beautiful tears oh mm. how do we walk that line or how do you as a, a dominatrix how do you walk that line between um eroticizing to reclaim power from and re-traumatizing i think it's really just getting to know our subs and making sure that what we're doing is in the context of like, how is this healing and making sure that we're not doing something that is re-traumatizing and really reframing it and making sure that they know that they're doing, they're doing this as a conscious choice to want to experience this in a different way with a different person who knows what they've been through and how are we going to reframe this? Because if it's not reframed, then it does feel re like it's re-traumatizing. But I think the reframe is really important. Mm, that's beautiful. It's almost, it just reminds me of like needing integration with medicine work. Mm -hmm. It's like anything that has that really a lot of power in it. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You really need something, some inner infrastructure to hang the experience on. And yes. So that's what I'm hearing you say. It's like if you have that conversation, that reframe, now you've got an inner infrastructure to hang the experience on that's going to sit in a different way in your system. But I guess if they just go into it without the reframe, then, yeah, it doesn't sit differently in the system. Yeah, I think that's Maybe. a really good analogy of comparing it to medicine. I think that there's a lot of immense potential for it to heal and then there's also the immense potential for it to be destructive if done without the right intention and i think intention mm. setting all of that is key in the space of medicine and in the space of kink as well mm. wow so powerful and you now have mistress school um yes mistress how, class. how did that mistress class <laughs> and how did that come about and can you tell us a little bit about that for those listening that are excited yeah um i well throughout my journey as a dom when i worked at the gates i was always i quickly became like a mentor to the new doms that would come in because i worked at the gates for like four and a half years and so i got to see a lot of new doms come through and would train them um and training is just bringing them into my session and, and they get to shadow and then we get to talk about it. And then I, whatever questions they have, I, I, sh you know, I answer them. And so I already got 
the experience of being able to like see a lot of women's minds like shift and have those aha moments when they're like, Oh, I see it. I could see how I could do this. And then friends started coming to me and friends of friends, um, just knew me as like the person that can be a dom mom. And mm-hmm. I, I love that experience because I just know how life changing being a dom can be. And so to be able to support so many women and femmes to have this life changing experience, it just, it just felt so good. And, mm-hmm. um, but I never saw myself as a teacher. I actually had a lot of, of anxiety about speaking in front of like a group of people. And, but it wasn't until my friend, um, Amy Chan, who runs this, uh, boot camp called Breakup Boot Camp. And it's to help, um, women and men heal from just painful breakups. She asked me to teach at her breakup boot camp. And this was like five years ago. And, I said, yes, I just knew that I wanted to do this, but then I immediately called up uh, a speech coach and I was just like, I need to learn how to speak in front of people. And, um, and it was uh, like a nerve wracking experience the first time teaching, but it also, I saw the impact that I had in what I had to share. Like the room was moved to tears, to laughter and people came up to me saying, wow, what you said really resonated. It's making me rethink a lot of things and see myself in a different way. And and that was when it kind of all clicked for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep on practicing, getting better at sharing myself, speaking, because there's something powerful here. And and it's just like, you know, leaning into that uncomfortable part again and so I'm so glad I did and um and then I created like a boot camp with Amy that was called power play it was helping women channel their inner dom and it was a weekend immersive and then after that um I was prompted by Amy she's like you need to start your own thing and so I was like okay I'll and I just had the this idea of playing on the word of like a master class. I'm like, mistress class sounds like a, a good uh, idea. And so I just kind of put that out there two years ago. And the first time I opened up and launched this program, 111 women and femmes signed up. And I was like, oh shit, this is happening. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was an incredible experience. And I've just have learned so much from the women in the group. And it felt like, it felt like putting out a bat light. And then all of a sudden, all this like badass, magical, witchy women came into my sphere and we all want to learn how to step into our power and support each other. And then I was just like, after the first class, I'm like, I have to throw a graduation party. And so it went from like an online class to having this in-person party. And it was just the most magical experience ever to have so many incredible, powerful women in this home here and dressed up as doms with my subs in French made outfits, serving them tea (laughs) and lending their bodies to be practiced on and played with. It was just so incredible that uh, I just kept on doing it and kept on refining it with each class, expanding more and more and adding more to it to make it not only a 
a, a practical course in learning how to be a dom or a pro dom, but it's also a, a spiritual female fempowerment course of learning how to step into your power. And so I show all the steps it takes to become a dominatrix the way I learned, um, or at least all the steps it takes to become a pro dom. But even though you don't need to like half of the women don't want to become pros, but they still get so much out of it because I share with them not only the outer work of transformation, choosing your name, finding your outfit, connecting with the subs that I share with them, and but it's the inner work that is also happening as well. So I share my philosophy and alchemical approach to kink and how all the elements of BDSM, bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, I show what each of those element looks like inside the dungeon, which is really fun, sexy, edgy, and all of that. And then I show what it looks like outside the dungeon. What is this a symbol of? And what is this a metaphor for? And so they really get to break down what bondage, discipline, dominant submission, sadomasochism looks like from a, a deeper perspective of what what is it that we are supposed to be more conscious of. And all of this work is about making the unconscious conscious. And mm. I think kink actually allows us to do that because all of the things that we're not conscious of are the things that actually uh, makes it so that we unconsciously give away our power. But when we become conscious of, say, our bondage, our mm. metaphorical gag, golden handcuffs, mm. blindfolds, what are, what are those things that we're unconsciously have that's holding us back, that's bounding us from saying what we want to say, doing what we want to do, being who we want to be? How do mm. we break out of that bondage? And once you become conscious of your bondage, then you could begin the discipline practice figuring your way out of bondage and what is that discipline work and, and so i keep going deeper with all of these elements and i love the aha moments that come from the class where they're like oh shit this is so much more than what i thought i thought i was going to get some practical business sense of how to be a dom but this is really about how to how to really be in your fullest self-expression and find your voice and find your power Mm. Yeah, and be this like agent of alchemical spiritual transformation through feminine empowerment. Like, yes. Whoa. Yeah. What a I, gift. I think that's what's so incredible about this work is being a Dom, you get to see the transformations within yourself. And then you get to see the transformations that you create in the safe space that you hold for others to play with, to play with mm. you. And, Yes. Yeah, because I really believe in the power of transmission, mm -hmm. you know, as a teacher or a space holder of any kind. And so, I have a lot of respect and gratitude for the way that you approach this work and the depth and the internal transformation supported in a DOM so that um, they can have this transmission, not just those external tools you're talking about, but this trans, this energetic transmission that they're able to offer. And I always... Um, share with my facilitators I, I teach as well and and it's I always say you know there's no I can teach you so much of these external tools but ultimately if you don't have your own deep solid practice mm -hmm. there is no transmission or there's, right. there's a lessened transmission that's happening and it's so important to have that inner work that's happening so that when you step into these spaces whether it's as a dominatrix or a facilitator of any kind yeah. that 
you're offering that external framework that's mm-hmm. really important and valuable, but you're also offering this energetic transmission that I know personally for me, the most impact I've had from teachers is when, yeah, we have this amazing external well-held space, but they provide this immense energetic transmission that clearly comes from their personal devotion to their own inner work. Mm. And I just love the idea that this can be this fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that you put it like that energetic transmission. I think that's exactly what's happening that makes it so alchemical. And I really just, I, I lead this work with my heart. And so everything that comes through is just what it's like everything that I learned that has changed my life. I'm like, this is what I want to share. And it comes from inside the dungeon and seeing how it all applies outside of it. Yeah, you can feel it, my love. You really Mm -hmm. can feel it. So for those listening who would love, maybe they want to go to the mistress class or they want to engage with your work, where are the opportunities for people to connect with this work and you? I am more active now on Instagram. So I'm, so you can learn a lot about what, um, mistress class looks like and through, um, my IG and through also my website, there's a page that's all about mistress class and, um, the women's experiences from them. And so, yeah, just finding me on IG and through my website, I think is a good place to start and happy to also connect with anyone over the phone to talk about it as well. Beautiful. And is your IG handle Colette Pervet? Yes. Yes. It's Colette Pervet. And I also have another handle, Domino Colette, that's been in the shadows for many years that I might reactivate soon and share more of myself through it. Mm. There's that flavor of mystery again. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> it is magnetic. That little three-year-old girl knew Aww. she had that, that essential quality to magnetize through mystery. I love it. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank well, thank you so much for your time oh today. I feel like, yeah, wow. This has been one of my favorite conversations ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my really, gosh. really grateful. Thank you so much for having yeah. me on and for just having this conversation that allows us to just flow and I felt like it was just so fun to get to know you and to share myself through our conversation so thank you so much thank you my love more soon I hope and you guys you heard it here first go find this amazing incredible human being and her work on Instagram at Colette Pervet and I'll see you guys soon